Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostou. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Life With Your Dog, back in the studio. Cheers, my brother. Back in the living room studio. We've Love got it. our brand new mics, so hopefully this one sounds a little bit better than the last one. As long as you can hear what we're saying, I don't yeah. think it makes too much of a difference to you guys, but if it does bother you and if there's anything, you can obviously let us know. Um, it's been a couple of weeks since we've um, had the conversation. There's a couple of things that I wanted to say for me and you to go back and forth with, with and one of them was extinction bursts mm-hmm. and the other one is opposition reflex. Mm-hmm. If you've never heard those terms before, they both sound ridiculous. A little bit technical for the, you know, the everyday pet owner, but they probably don't realize that these things are occurring almost every day. Every day. Mm. Exactly. Good point. It's something that's happening and it's actually bothering you with your dog's behavior Mm -hmm. directly and it's good now to uncover it. And we have definitely spoken about these in in every episode, but to solely um, put put the spotlight on it can give a little bit more understanding. So, we should first define what extinction means. Anyone says extinction, the first thing I think about is dinosaurs. (laughs) (laughs) But what extinction means in psychology is when a beha- behavior ceases to yep. be performed by yep. that individual. It goes extinct. Exactly. extinguishes, yeah. Totally. And then a burst is, of course, something that happens acutely. It's a, it's a massive increase in its um, intensity mm. and, and, and maybe frequency in that moment, mm. but then it will stop. So the best way to like describe it, I try and, well, when I, not the best, but the way that I try and describe it to clients is like, um, you know, imagining like a graph, right? And mm-hmm. it's like X is the X axis is time and the Y axis is intensity and it's like a bell curve, right? And so the behavior becomes more intense, more intense, more intense. And then it, at some point you'll reach the peak of the extinction burst and then you will start to come down onto the other side. And it will drop like significantly, yeah. like almost happening to not happening at all. Yeah. And then if we let it go for longer, we have little spikes that happen after, they're yeah. like little waves. And maybe while you listen to this, pause it, type in extinction burst Google, click images and you're going to see exactly yeah, that. You, you and there's a the couple of different right variations. I Googled it just before we started. But, mm. um, but a, a human example would be you're waiting for your lift, you press the button and you're waiting. You think you've waited too long. So you hit, 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 hit. Mm. And then the lift opens. And yep. then you think in your mind, yes, if you press it more than once, just like the traffic light button is the exact. We know that you only have to press it once. We all know once, but I still, 30 years later, pressing that button 100 times, thinking it will hurry up very quickly, hurry up, I want to go. The most common example that's often given as well is like the light switch. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you know, 99% of the time you flick the light switch, the light goes on. The one time that you flick it and the globe is gone, what's the very next thing you do is that you start flicking the switch, even though it's very... um, Unlikely and you know, logically, like this globe is gone, I need to replace it, but the that doesn't overpower in the moment doesn't overpower the psychology of what's happening inside your brain. Yes. You know, we all, we're very simple creatures and we, we will flick the switch a few times. That's the burst. Yeah. The burst of behavior is like, why isn't this happening? Mm-hmm. Why what I expected to happen is not happening. Mm-hmm. And then eventually the, the, the behavior wasn't reinforced. The light doesn't come back on. So the behavior stops. Exactly. However, if you're in some old weird home, 
you click it once, what the hell? Click, 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 and then it turns on. Yeah, yeah. Now you have been reinforced for your extinction yep. burst, which now means you're gonna be hitting that flick of the button mm -hmm. more. Even if the globe goes out, you're like, I'm gonna try it a few more times, it may work. Now the you know, now the light globe or the, the action of the light turning on is now on an intermittent reward schedule as exactly. well. Right? Because you yeah. perform the behavior, let's say, well, the first time didn't get reinforced. And then the second to eighth time didn't get reinforced, and then maybe the ninth time did. Yeah. Right. So two out of ten or nine times, uh, sorry, one out of ten times you were reinforced. Mm -hmm. Now you are probably willing to gamble that it will happen again. Exactly. Right? And this is how, this is the science behind all you know undesirable behaviors, pretty much with mm -hmm. dogs. Right. Mm -hmm. Is that we either reinforce the wrong behavior or we reinforce at the wrong time. Yeah. Right. Thinking that that's like. For example, crying in the crate, the mm -hmm. dog cries to a three out of 10 in intensity. And you're like, oh my God, I can't put up with this anymore. I gotta let, um, you know, Shadow or Chili out of the crate. And the dog's like, I got you. Tomorrow yeah. I start at three out of 10. Exactly. Right? There's it no starts more. At three. Exactly. That's important. Tomorrow yeah. there's no more zero to two out of 10. Mm -hmm. I've established the level of barking that will get me, you know, escaped from this crate. Yep. And so therefore, everything underneath this is now useless. I'm gonna exactly. start at this level. Totally. Yeah. Good example. Yeah. And now if you listen to this, this makes sense in terms of there's hope in behavior if you do it more intensely. Yeah. So wouldn't that be the same as I'm on a bush track, I fall down a ravine, a ravine into a little canyon spot. No one can see me. So I yell, help, 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 help. And you would go at that maximum intensity, intensity, intensity. If no one's around, you stop. Now you do that for a well, you'd be doing that for a couple of days at least. Mm. But then after all, you're like screaming for help does not work. Mm. But we do it in hope that help, help. And the help, the biggest, loudest help or the biggest whistle blow, someone's like, someone needs someone needs help. And then you get help and you're mm. like, wow, the extinction burst is naturally, it's yep. an evolutionary thing that if you get stuck in the vines, you try a little bit. Yeah, but try your maximum pressure. If you're in the middle of a fight, you don't, you've, you're not well versed how to fight, but you just start throwing punches at, at a maximum intensity, you may fend off the attacker um, and maybe not. And then if you keep going hard, 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 and it doesn't, depending on how many times you're fighting or how many times you're getting mm. lost. The thing about those those examples is that extinction bursts happen not on, that happens on a daily basis. That's only because we're not understanding and it happens to us it's domestically. It's happening all around, but people don't necessarily know what it is yeah, to but, recognize it. And also I think we use it more in like when we're trying to get the thing. If you're trying to get the berries, you'll try a, high, a, a more intense behavior to get higher up the tree with mm -hmm. bursts rather than being you know, steadied and, and gradual. It's a mm -hmm. different process. So the best example is, as you said, we put them in the crate or you have your dog outside, your dog starts barking, you let them in. Yeah. And the extinction burst means, and the real application here is to understand that if you have left them in the crate and your dog's gone to a three, and that's the peak of the extinction, you may have to just wait an extra couple of minutes, maybe mm. five, 10 minutes, mm. and that three, 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 the dog stops, gets exhausted, tries, gets tired and sees that there's no success that's when you let them out. So then it's the calm, quiet behaviors what you're trying to do and you're not trying to use the extinction burst as a way of the dog's success. Mm. But, um, and we see this, but also we want to make sure that it can also be used for the positive, for what we want Absolutely. in the behavior, yeah. right? It goes in both directions. Exactly. So for an extinction burst in a desirable behavior, whether that's a recall or whatever it is, recall is a good example. Mm -hmm. So we get to the dog, we get the dog to the point where he'll do the behavior 
10 or 100 out of 100, we've established a contract. You do this, I reinforce you with food or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then the poker machine comes in, right? It's like, why is a poker machine addictive is because it's an intermittent or a variable reward schedule, right? Exactly. And so, the reason that we get addicted to these kinds of mechanisms is we don't know when the hit is coming. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing. So, we teach the dog, you know, same way that you learn, okay, I press this button and at some point the money comes out of the machine. We teach the dog, you come back, I give you food. You come back, I give you food. And then when it's reliable, we go from 10 out of 10 reinforcement down to six or Mm -hmm. seven, whatever it is. And then slowly, slowly, you know, less and less reinforcement, but just enough to keep the dog on the hook. Yes. That he's willing to gamble that at some point- It may happen. That reward is going to come out. But I guess, and that's purely on like an intermittent schedule, but the extinction burst would happen within that. So, how I identified it when I was um, working with Nookie is- and what was it that I was trying to do? I remember I was trying to improve, that's right, her, her sit from the down. Mm. So she'll do it, but like most dogs kind of do it slowly. They're like, oh, I don't really practice this often. It's yeah, an odd move. It's movement. awkward, yeah. yeah. For a dog to go from down to sitting, mm. they have to move backwards just their left. So well, she did it's like it. like the stand from the sit, you know? Yeah, exactly. It looks backwards. It almost. does look, and because yeah. it kind of is. Well, like mm. to the stand, I guess, would be more natural because if mm. you're sitting, you go to stand up to walk. <laughs> yeah. But if you're down to go into a sit, it's like, why yeah. would I move from a down into a sit? Now, some dogs would do that for whatever reason, but mm. it, there's not really much intensity about it. And I wanted it to look more nicer. So what I did was I rode the extinction burst because an extinction means I keep giving. I, I, so, for example, if I don't want Nookie to do. If I say down, if I got her in the down and I want her to go into a sit and I want her to stop doing that for whatever reason, I would keep telling her to sit from the down and just stop rewarding her. Mm-hmm. And I keep asking, keep asking, you say it, she won't do it. Or like how my mates saw that I was teaching my dog roll, um, old boy Ace, and I was dumb enough to tell him. So then they roll, roll, roll. And he was probably doing really magnificent rolls until... Boom, he just stopped doing it. The next day I told him to do it in a training session, he didn't do it. Because mm. they rode that extinction burst but didn't reward just before. So with Nookie, I'd go down, sit, down, sit, down, sit. And she's like, what the hell? Down, sit. And she got frustrated. And she pushed hard, bang, and I rewarded that. Yeah, exactly. And in that moment, she's like, ha. Mm. So then now, and you see, I go down, sit, boom, boom. And she's learned that's the behavior that got paid. But how is it that I got it? It's through frustration. If I asked maybe one more command. It might have from, gone extinct. It may, she may have not, and I may have ruined everything. So it is a gamble. You're, mm. you're riding that, that thin line between the best of the behavior and complete none of it. Yeah. And it's kind of ironic. And I think that's where athletes, you know, push themselves to a point where I can damage myself here. But if I just go a little bit before failure, I actually become stronger yeah. and or more fitter or more smarter or more, you know, risk-taking behavior. So, it is a, a fine line and, and I probably explained that when I was talking, like it was a Q&A, but how do I make behaviors look fast and flashy? And you've got to ride that. And I think I did use that example there. So, that, and then you can see now that we make dogs do very good barking at the back door because we keep letting them in, <laughs> yeah. because we keep riding these extinction bursts. People, it's like the... Um the loose leash walk or the leash pulling rather is that they they don't realize that they've actually rein, they're reinforcing exactly you know I mean? like, actually it's a perfect segue the opposition reflex exactly right? yeah. so you can get right into that and actually i wanted to make the connection between the both so mm. you're onto it and i love it so here we say opposition reflex so um it's exactly that reflex is an automatic behavior and opposite means 
opposite. So you pull in, you, you pull back on the leash, on the collar or the harness. The more you pull back, the more pressure the dog feels on his chest. So his natural reaction is to lean into it. Yeah. And it's like a feedback loop. Exactly. Yeah. Especially when there's something the dog wants to get to. Mm-hmm. So we, um, so we're moving against pressure and whatever you resist will persist, right? So the harder you hold him, the more he pulls. And, and how are you? Like the hope outweighs the struggle. So he's willing to pull to get to whatever it is that he wants. And he learns eventually like, yeah, if I pull hard enough, we're going to keep going in this direction anyway. Exactly. Right? If there's an external reinforcer. Yeah. Because what if the dog doesn't want to walk and I go, hey, we have to walk and I pull pressure on, he'll go, what the that's, hell, no that's way. Different. Yeah. And that's where I guess the extinction burst and opposition reflex evolutionarily, I mm. always say that wrong, um, is that there's danger. Something's grabbing me at I don't know, an animal grabs my leg to drag me into the bushes. You don't go with it. Oh, the Jaguar's got me now. Mm. No, you do everything to fight against Mm. it. And then maybe you'll go through an extinction burst to push really hard against it. You may get free. So there is something, especially when you put a young dog on a collar, you know, six, seven months, time for it. You put him on, he's like, what is going on? His natural reaction is to go opposite. Now, if I let go of pressure through negative reinforcement, the pressure goes away when he goes maximum away from me. Now he'll learn, you put pressure on again, I'm naturally going to do this, but now it becomes a learnt behavior. I'm going to continue doing it. Yeah. And then if we want to tie in the extinction burst into that, he'll keep pulling, keep pulling, thrashing, jump up, bite the leash, spin around like a crocodile. You're going, I can't do this, you let go. He goes, huh, through negative reinforcement, you took away the undesirable pressure. I went to a maximum behavior of opposition reflex and then you let go of the leash because I can almost guarantee if you just stayed at that two out of 10 pressure while he went through that whole motion, stops and you turn it off mm. and then you mark and reward or he continues taking steps toward you depending on what you're trying to do. So for example, with the sit, no, actually, we'll go back to the example. The dog doesn't want to walk. You put that little bit of pressure on. What happens is he fights against it, opposition reflex. You put Now, naturally, we go into opposition reflex. We go harder. So we put a one out of 10. He goes a two out of 10 against us. We go a three out of 10 against him. Escalation of force, yeah. And that's where he goes to his 10, and 10 has to be the worst. And whatever that looks like, the dog's freaking out. And then frothing and tripping and in a massive amount of stress, which is not good. And then if you let go in that moment, now you've reinforced it. The dog learns, I have to do this for that weird, uncomfortable pressure to go away. So how you want to beat opposition reflex would be putting that one out of 10 pressure on very light, have his food in front of him. He may resist a little bit, but the, the control, the impulse control on our end is not to go hay and go harder. Just hold it, hold the one. He kind of leans against it, leans against it. The moment he leans towards you or even takes a step, take pressure off, mark it at the same yeah. time and offer food away so he makes forward momentum. Keep doing that, then he learns, oh, I can turn this off by walking. You give me food as well. And now we're talking a two or a three out of 10 if you need to guide him with leash pressure rather than going maximum pressures. And then teaching the dog to yield to leash pressure, right? And teaching him like, well, that is, you know, negative reinforcement, right? You're using that pressure, that constant pressure. And then the dog, there's a very clear difference between, and I try and explain this to clients is like, we don't bribe the dog if like for example in this scenario we don't wave the hot dog in front of his face and say like let's go mm-hmm. he has to give that first step yes. that first inch that pressure i'll just stand here the pressure is constant and then when he shows me 
the willingness to come to me. He takes that first step, bang, marked and reward. Exactly. And he's learned, he has learned now through negative reinforcement how to turn that pressure off. Exactly. Right? When he feels pressure, he should yield or should give into it exactly. rather than fight it. And in 100%. fact, to go opposite to his oppositional reflex mm-hmm. is actually the better choice mm-hmm. because it will lead to reinforcement. Exactly. And yeah. then this will help in so many other ways. You want to hold your dog so then the vet can give him mm-hmm. a vaccine or put a thermometer up his butt. Yep. That pressure you put on his body, hugging him won't be a fight. He's like, we have to show him through handling and doing the vet checks that you grab his paw, his reaction is to go opposite, to walk away, to move it away. So when you grab it, grab it lightly to desensitize him. Yep. So yeah, everything starts to come into play. We use these words and for me and you, the terminology makes sense. But again, try to think about this as simply as possible. If you're walking down the street and you've got your dog in any form of collar or, or harness, let's just talk about the flat collar or even a slip lead or even a martingale collar or a prong collar, whatever, you pull back on that collar, he will likely push forward. Mm. So that's why through leash training, loose lead walking, as soon as your dog goes in front, we pull up to interrupt the mindset, to stop the loop. Pulling back will increase the intensity of pushing, especially, as you said before, when there's something he wants to get towards or to push away. So um, so it increases reactive behavior in that exact reason. If your dog's really excited or, or aggressive and fearful of other dogs, for example, or wants to engage with them in one way or another, and you hold them back harder, just like holding your friend back in a fight, you hold his chest and put a little bit of pressure he winds up straight away when he feels that pressure. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Actually. You know, so um, that's an oppositional reflex. Isn't exactly. It? So, um, like and when then you say when you tell your uh, your lady friend to calm down, what's the first thing she does? Fight you back. Definitely not calming down. Exactly. Sure. Yeah, and and that's the whole resisting. You when we it's like trying to fight a wave. You know, the wave's coming at you. There's no stopping it. You got to like kind of move with mm. it, redirect it, mm-hmm. and um and and use what's happening around and. With reactive behavior, if your dog's, that's why we're walking down the street, dog looks in the across the road, starts to lunge and bark and, and growl at the other dog to pull away from him, makes him push harder. If, again, there's so much to it, but putting pressure up onto the collar will interrupt that. He moves a little, he knows, well, we've learned what, what leash pressure is and something that we work on in session one with all training, understanding what, which, when we put pressure on one direction, you have to move in that direction. Mm. The dog, through, and hopefully through reflex, we'll move in that direction. We release it, mark and reward. Or at least even if you needed to just remove yourself, you're walking around the corner, a dog comes, that dog that you have lunges in front, turning around and then knowing how to maneuver that leash will we'll have more success with crossing the road or walking opposite. Yeah. Pulling back, 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 back is only going to make him go forward, which is so counterintuitive because the only thing we want to do is when something goes that way, we move back. Yeah. Or when you go, hey, it's time to leave the park and you're talking to your kid and then you grab him by the arm. He, of course, he's not going to want to go. He wants to keep on being on the swing, so he's going to push his arm away. So to go harder on him makes him go, makes him go harder. So we just hold him. He's reacting. How are we going? And now the fact that I've said we're going and I put my hand on your hand to now encourage you to go towards the car, I now have to adhere to that. Otherwise, if I keep letting him go and he runs and then I chase him, come on, we're going. It's going to take like 25 minutes to leave the playground. But once, and it happens with my son, I don't know how it happens with anyone else, but we take two, three steps, all right, we're going. And again, how you reason, how you're talking, it's exactly like dog training. Yes, I'm putting some physical pressure on your collar, but if you move in that direction, I'm going to make it heaps worth it for you. I'm going to reward you big time. Yep. And then make a big fun game out of it. And eventually, even teaching with little puppies, put them on that front clip harness at around 16 to 18 weeks, and you can start showing them. When we play the little fun games of the name game, it's all about teaching the dog Pressure's on, which way do you want me to go? I'm yeah. going to come towards you. And it you, works one. Listen to the pressure. 
Don't fight it. Exactly. And then if you are going to resist with it, then know, now know that you have to see it through for it to actually work, mm. which is where people sometimes aren't ready for it. So that's why puppies shouldn't be on collars. Yeah. Because if you don't know how to maneuver that at a very sensitive yeah. level, you're going to screw it up, confuse your puppy, confuse They you. get totally desensitized to that neck, neck, sensitive, like neck uh, sensation, exactly. neck pressure as well. It just teaches them to pull. Yeah. So collars on means pulling. So I just had a client I just came from and... She's resistant. I said, look, in about a month's time, we're going to the training collar. Puppy's, you know, little Jack Russell puppy, four and a half months old. Mm. I'm like, not ready for a collar, but I certainly would get him off the back of the harness and onto a front clip harness. I showed him mine in the session previous. They um, weren't really that keen. I guess they just didn't want to have to buy another thing. Sure. Um, and that's, that was the impression, right? They like, go, oh, I don't want to buy another thing. How many things I've bought him? Okay. And then I'm like, okay, that's cool. But then I brought it up because I'm not going to force any on, anything on anybody. And again, we're talking about a young puppy, like biggest deal. I think I don't think they – look, we don't want to like rush the situation. So mm. if I rush by putting a little, little pup on a collar, they're just going to butcher it. The dog's going to be desensitized. No one wins. No one's going to win out of it. I know that they want to like rush it, but I say, look, if you, there's no point in me putting a front clip harness on you now. Mm. So then I can take it off at the end of the session. Then you go back to the back. What, like, what's the point of that? Yeah. I did that last session. You guys didn't want to pay the 30 bucks to get the other harness. So we're not going to do it. But I said to him, look, it's two options now. If it was me walking your puppy, I just find it really irritating. Little Jack Russell, he's a strong little guy. He's pulling too much. And he's just going to, the one positive out of that is that we have a very confident little, and he's yeah. very confident and he's yeah. not scared of anyone, which is good. So when it's time to go into the collar, yeah, we can trim th some things back. If you can handle the next month and a half of him pulling a bit like this and she goes I'm happy with it fine but if it was coming to my house and I have to look after him I'll put him on a front clip harness just teach them basic like we're not going to be overly over the top about our loose lead walking but I don't want maximum pulling like a little champion I want him to pull real hard he gets pulled off balance mm. he gets back next to me I reward him and then he learns to meander without putting heavy pressure on the end of the leash because even we talk about like you know building a confident puppy there's a there's a line between a confident puppy and a puppy that's just out of control. Into, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, because too much of that confidence creates this arrogant little asshole that wants to bite people. Yeah. So we don't want too much confidence that goes out of hand. Yeah, pump the brakes. Exactly. Yeah. But then, you know, we're talking about someone who hasn't had a dog before and it's like, we just want, like, sure. I just want him to be nice and good. Like your so average pet. Every, every person. everyday person. Yeah. So I'm like, look, just put up with this now. I'm going to see you in a month and a bit and I'll show you how to use the collar. If he's ready for it, and he probably will be. Mm. Um, and, and that can work as well. But again... That's the thing, eh? There's this sort of um, grey area or, you know, no man's land, like that age where the dog is not quite ready for a collar, but the harness is starting to lose its utility. Yeah, especially you know? the front clip with a big, like a German Shepherd, five mm. and a half months old. You can technically, I'm on a collar, but they're still teething. You don't really want to, but then you put that front clip harness on just to kind of protect, like keep them sensitive up on their neck. But then they're just walking sideways up the street. So again, opposition reflex. Mm. You put pressure, and again, it's how people use it. It won't be if me and you were walking the puppy. We know when to put it on. So front clip harness on a bigger, larger puppy. Leans forward, we put it on. It makes him uncomfortable, trips up a little bit happens to be relatively next to us, we have no pressure. He mm. goes a little bit too far ahead, you put it on, he comes, you know, he stops pushing and, mm -hmm. and, like, and, and yields to the leash, take the pressure off. And then if you can do that, eventually the puppy has its freedom but doesn't pull excessively. So when people put a front clip harness on a puppy, have it really loose, the, har the harness, the front clip, like the chest plate is up next to their ear and they're still facing forward. It just defeats the purpose of Yeah. And another thing is when people walk with 100% pressure on the front clip harness the whole time, mm. so then the puppy just walks sideways up the street. 
He's like, he's constantly, he's like, Crab he's balanced looking, up. Yeah. Exactly. So that's where people can screw it up. And some puppies are a bit more sensitive than others. Some people are a little bit more better at others. So you need to weigh that up. Whoever's listening to this, are you able to understand all of this and even put into perspective? But when you start to see most dogs that are pulling, it's because we're holding that pressure hard. Yeah. So, um, so that's why it's really opposition reflex is why I wouldn't get a puppy on the collar because they don't know how to under, they won't have the concept while out and about the same pressure that's on the dog like it's on the dog when you see all these pet owners you know marching their dogs up to each other and the dogs on pressure, leash pressure 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 pressure, pressure, exactly. pressure right and the dog the dog only ever meets other dogs with pressure on his neck exactly. all the time and his reflex is to pull into that mm-hmm. but every time he meets a dog there's pressure on his neck and he's like well why is there always pressure on my neck when i meet yeah. a dog right and, and then pressure means good things. Yeah. You put pressure on or there must be a dog around. Where's the dog at? Let's yeah. go look for it. So yeah. Yeah, everything does connect. The conditioning comes into it and also what the dog thinks it has to do. And, um, and I guess the problem with the opposition reflex is that as soon as you grab the leash, the first thing you do is put pressure on. Now, I know, I know a lot of people teach and train their clients and their own puppies to walk on a collar at a very young age and they can pull it off. But if you know how to like handle it and you integrate, you're not like, you're not correcting the puppy, but you know how to maneuver yourself with the leash and the puppy kind of gets it, you can do it. But the everyday person, I think it's safer, get them onto that harness until that right age. And because of that reason, um, moving through doorways is another one. The last thing we can say, if you're trying to get through, like trying to stop your dog from going through the doorway, someone's coming inside, the more we, they go one way, we go the other way, they go one way, we go the other way, we're, it's, an, it's, it's a part of opposition reflex. It may not be physical pressure, but it's spatial pressure. You go into them one way, they turn around the other way, and you turn around that way, and now we're playing a silly game. So if you are going to claim the space of a door before letting somebody in, use your spatial pressure and don't react with your dog like you're playing their game. Try to get into their space so they can be aware of you and not what's past you. So think about when you're holding your dog back when someone's coming in. Try to... Teach the dog, I've got my hand on your collar. I say sit, I'll pull up on the collar. The dog sits. The moment the dog sits, turn it off there. If you keep it on, the dog will be, just keep pushing. And we're like, oh, I'm not strong enough. And we let go. Mm. So things to think about there. And I think there's some, I haven't like really thought about this deeply, but I think there's opposition reflex even psychologically in terms of, and it's probably got to do with like confirmation bias and all that sort of stuff. You hear one thing that's opposite to your narrative, boom. You just oppose it straight away. Yeah, that's Be- true. You know, there's a, and I don't know if that's a, if how we can apply that into dog training. I guess, you know, you tell one, a dog to do one thing and that usually means do the opposite. Actually, I, this isn't, I haven't thought about that enough to talk about that on record. So <laughs> just we'll, freestyle. We'll put that out there into the, into the, um, into the universe, see what comes back. And I think there is something to it, but this was interesting. I thought it was funny. <laughs> My client the other day said, Hey, Panos, the dog's not coming back to me when I say come, but he always comes back when I say yes. And I'm like, what do you mean? And I'm like, better hear some funny story. Dog's on a long lead. Dog starts running towards a bird or something out in the distance. And he goes, come, 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 come. And the dog's like, ah, oh, damn it. He's not with well, a guy. The owner says he's not coming. So then while the dog's running the opposite direction, he says, yes, the so dog turns around behavior. and runs back up and he yeah. starts bursting in laughter. And he's like, because the guy's awesome. He's trying his best. He just yeah. obviously misunderstood. Yeah, that's the thing. I like, Dog training can be very technical mm-hmm. and it's very hard for us sometimes as trainers to get that across and you explain it and they, they probably felt like they understood it at the time but mm-hmm. then when you're not around and they go to the park and they're trying to do this session without you, they're like, oh, what do I do here? Like I do the thing and then exactly. I say yes and 
Yes. So without yes even command. Without even realizing it, he has now marked the, the, the bird chasing or whatever the dog yeah. is doing. Not just, the recall. Just run away. Every time yeah. I run away, he yeah. rewards me. This is awesome. So he comes back, gets the food and runs so away So what's again. happened is he's marked that behavior. And the dog has come back <laughs> looking for his reinforcer exactly. for good chasing the birds. Yeah, great marker. Great marker. So good, he's doing something right. <laughs> exactly. Because most people that are shitty at training wouldn't have that response. Mm. The dog doesn't care about the marker all the way out there to come back to you to get yeah. it. So he has been doing the thing, but now I'm like, no, if the dog doesn't do it, then we have to go back a few steps. We have to fix it. And there was obviously a whole thing, but I thought that was pretty comical um, that that happened because what he's trying to make happen is obviously opposite to what's happening. So um, anyway, that's extinction burst and opposition reflex. I think that was something that was overdue. I really wanted to get a technical one out there because I'm also ask, telling people this is what that means and I'm starting to write graphs for now I have something to refer them back mm-hmm. to so they can um, be a little bit more well-versed into it and see how... Go, hey, and, ha- go and listen to that episode. That's what you can tell them now. Exactly. You know? Um, but... um. But I think it's hilarious, the light switch thing, or even the, the you're going to notice now, the next time you go to traffic lights, you press it, come on, and then just like a ladder. Yeah, and it's funny, eh, because when you think about it, we know that it doesn't work. Well, like you press it once, the lift, the light switch, not so much, but the lift and the, you know, the crossing, like... Everyone knows that it makes no difference, but we all do it. I'll still do it. I'll still do it. It makes you feel good. Yeah. It relieves some pressure like, within Especially you. the lift. I'm like, come yeah, on, I don't want to exactly. wait for the lift. You know, I don't want to wait for the green man to cross the road. 100%. Yeah. But, um, well, hey, but it used to work with the remote. Sometimes you press the remote, it doesn't work. You bang it a couple of times and you press it and it works. So then what do you do? You start banging things. And hey, when something doesn't work, it's just, it's like it's an old grandpa thing. Something doesn't work, give it a couple of taps first. Yeah. Now it's turn it off, take plug it, unplug it, and turn it in. Usually mm-hmm. that's how technology works. Back in the day, something was about the bang. Yeah. A big old TV, give it a knock and it works, right? Yeah. So um, there is something to it. It's, it's evolutionary. It's a, it's a thing that we, we will try to see maybe it will work. So yeah. it's in that hope of something. So anyway, I think that's pretty interesting. So um, yeah, that's today. Thanks, ladies and gents. Speak to you next time. Laters. Thank you for listening to another episode of Life With Your Dog. Please share with your friends if you're enjoying our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook, Life With Your Dog Podcast. My name's Panos, and to keep up with my dog training adventures, tips and techniques, you can find me on Instagram at np underscore dog underscore training, my website npdogtraining.com or my YouTube channel, Nutris Pooches. Thanks for listening, guys. My name's Luke. If you'd like to find out more about my dog training services, you can find me at www.kizuna, that's K-I-Z-U-N-A, canine, C-A-N-I-N-E, dot com, dot A-U. I'm also on Instagram at Kizuna Canine Training. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.